The Carolina Hurricanes had a weekend of two extremes in games two and three against the New Jersey Devils in their second round series. We will be breaking all of that down in this episode of Locked on Hurricanes along with our brand new co-host. Your Locked on Hurricanes, your daily podcast on the Carolina Hurricanes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey there, Kaniacs. I'm your host, Jared Ellis, and you're listening to Locked On Hurricanes on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today I am joined by my brand new co-host, Andrew Schnitker. How are you doing today, Andrew? I'm doing great, Jared. It's uh, great to finally be joining the Locked On family. I'm just I'm so excited to be a part of this show and you know be bringing the Hurricanes discussion to the people all you know every day. It's going to be a lot of fun. It is going to be a lot of fun, and we have a lot to talk about today as the Hurricanes had a weekend of two extremes. We're going to start off with Game Two, the positive side of things. Uh, game Two was a great team game. The Hurricanes. Uh, kick the devil's butt in this game. It was 6-1 was the final score, and we knew the devils would come out with a lot of energy in this game. You knew that after getting embarrassed in game one. And the Hurricanes, they came out with a lot of energy, just like the devils. They matched the devils. Uh, the devils did kind of own the first 10 minutes of the uh, first periods. Hurricanes had the second half. Uh, but this was a very fun and entertaining game, that's for sure. Yeah, game two, um, you know, I've covered the Hurricanes for a number of years. I've been with Canes Country. I, I, back before that, I was with my student newspaper. In the time that I've been covering them, I don't think, other than maybe game three against Washington in 2019, I don't know that I've seen them have a better game just given the stakes, uh, you know, mm-hmm. being game two of a second round playoff series, trying to go up two games to none. And like you mentioned, you know, they had that first 10 minutes, had to kill the five on three. Frederick Anderson made some really good saves. And once the Hurricanes settled in, they, they just dominated the game. I mean, they dominated five on five. Uh, the power play looked good. The penalty kill was sterling once again. You were getting contributions from guys up and down the lineup, including some guys, you know, that were maybe a little bit quieter in the first round that you needed to see more from. Um, I'm not sure that 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 game and really as a whole, the first two games at home could have gone better for the Hurricanes. Yeah, they had a tremendous first two games. You talk about guys, you know, stepping up. Uh, We had, you know, First of all, the physicality. The Hurricanes were laying some massive hits in that game with Jesperi Kotniemi, Jesper Faust, and Seth Jarvis being standouts in that. Uh, Kotniemi and Faust you know, having some highlight reel uh, hits they were laying yeah. laying out. And then second period comes around. You talk about guys stepping up. Jesperi Kotniemi, he broke down the, the doors in, in that second period. Uh, how power play goal to start off the period. And with the Hurricanes power play, being the jackal and hide that it is of never knowing what you're going to get for it to come out so strong and for him to be stepping up as well. That was absolutely fantastic. And then another even strength goal as well. Then you also had you know, four goals in this period with Jordan Stahl having 
absolutely beautiful goal, kind of turning back the clock on that one there. Uh, and then one that I uh, think you know, a lot of folks you know, kind of got frustrated with was that Brady Shagel. He had a really good game, him and Brett Pesci as well. But his goal was called back. I really don't agree with that. Uh, I kind of felt like Seth Jarvis yeah. was pushed into the goalie there. Uh, but it really was a non-factor because uh, that really fired up the Hurricanes. Martin Natchez, another guy, kind of wanted to step up. He came back over and you know put the puck in the back of the net for the Hurricanes there. Yeah, and I think, you know, Martin Natchez is a guy that you've wanted to see a little bit more from in these mm-hmm. playoffs, especially given the guys that they're missing with a guy like Andre Svechnikov, a guy like Tevo Teravainen. So that was good to see. And, yeah, I mean, Yisberi Kokaniemi, you know, you get in the playoffs, you have guys out, or, you're, you know, you're going to have games where your top guys are going to get shut down. You're going to need that production up and down the lineup. So I think for the Hurricanes to see that from him and for him to get going was really big. And I agreed with you on the um, the Shea goal. I thought that the the Devils kind of drove Seth Jarvis into the net. But the nice thing to see, um, and Seth Jarvis has had a really really good postseason, and the, and I think a big part of that is he's been taking the puck to the net and driving to the net really really well and really really frequently. And I think that's a good thing to see if you're the Hurricanes, and that's a way if you're Seth Jarvis, you know that you're going to make good things happen. Yeah, he's really had a standout postseason so far. Been really, really good for the Hurricanes. Uh, and you can't really ask more of him. You know, he's smallest guy on the ice most of the time. And he's, you know, getting the puck to the back of the net, like you said. It's bringing physicality. And he's having a really, really good postseason. But, you know, one of the one negatives uh, with this game, too, was uh, in the third period, um, yeah, I almost said yes, Brady Kokiemi again. Uh, Shane Gosper, he had a pretty nasty turnover that ended up leading to the lone New Jersey Devils uh, goal in that game too. And, you know, that's kind of been an issue with, you know, the playoffs as a whole, some poor puck management. But, you know, thankfully, you know, with this game, the Hurricanes played a such a good game as a whole that kind of really didn't play into it as much as it would here in game three. Uh, another guy that had a great, great game, a really great postseason as a whole, has been Jordan Martinuk. He was all over the ice in game two, and he was finally rewarded with that breakaway goal in the third period and very much deserved. Uh, he's, again, had a great postseason, had a great game two, again, all over the ice, doing everything you know the Hurricanes could possibly want him to do, uh, really elevating his play. Uh, and that's kind of been a story all season long with him. I kind of felt like, you know, getting put on waivers at, in the, at the beginning of the off season, uh, it really kind of lit a fire under him. It's also, is it a contract year for him? I don't remember. No, he's got one, he's got one year. year. Okay. I knew it was getting close, but it kind of felt like that lit a fire under him. And also another thing is he's actually healthy hundred percent for once. Uh, that hasn't been the case for a while, but yeah, he's had a career year this year, and to see that carry over into the postseason, see him put the team on his back and really try to motivate them. Yeah, we saw that in game three as well, even though that game didn't go the way the Hurricanes wanted to. He's really elevating his play on and off the ice, and that's great. And to see him get rewarded in both games was great. And another thing with game two is Sebastian Ajo 
point streak ended up living on for another game on that Steph Nazing goal at the end of the game. Uh, ended up being five games total for that. And, you know, he's another guy. He's the top guy now. No Svetch, no Tavo. So for him, you had know, to continually be involved in everything. That's great for the Hurricanes because that's what they need. You at this point in the year, you need your top guys to play like top guys. Yeah, and I think with the case of Sebastian Ajo, I think he's really, you know, elevating even more his reputation. I mean, like, you know, his performance in the Islanders series, I think, you know, elevated my estimation of him even a little bit just because he's having to do a lot more carrying now because mm-hmm. he doesn't have a Tavo Teravainen on his wing to make those passes. He doesn't have an Andre Svechnikov you know, to snipe or to drive to the net and create space. It's There's a lot more that's on him. And so far, I think he has stepped up to that challenge really, really well. You know, pretty much have seen everything I've wanted to see from him in this postseason. And, you know, that that just, I think, you know, continues to raise his profile as a star for the Hurricanes. Yeah, it's been absolutely great to see from him. And, yeah, we know he's not going to necessarily get the headlines and whatnot uh, that other players might get. But that's fine. He's going out there, doing his job, putting the Hurricanes in the best possible position they can be to win. Now, like I said, his point streak lived on to five games. It did not continue into game three. Uh, and like I said, there's a tale of two extremes. Yeah, this was an overall great team game. Uh, and I've said many times this season, this team is at their best when they're playing a team game, when it's guys Absolutely. up and down the lineup, you know, chipping it. It's not just falling to one or two guys. Everyone is doing it. Guys that you don't normally expect, like Jordan Martinuk, to be putting the puck in the back of the net. He's doing that. He's all over the ice. And that's when this team is at their best. The power play showed up in this game as well. And we see how dangerous it can be when it does show up. Now, on the flip side, game three was almost the complete opposite of this game. It was really, really rough. But there were some positives in that game. But again, as a whole, it was not good for the Hurricanes. And we will talk about game three right after this. Now, there is no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's powerful hiring platform that can do it all for you. We we streamline hiring with powerful tools that find you matched candidates. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed data in the U.S. Even better, Indeed's the only job site where you only pay for the applications that meet your must-have requirements. Indeed is an unbelievable, powerful hiring platform deserving for four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest in 2019. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Starting now with a $75 sponsored job credit to update your job posts at Indeed.com slash locked on. 
Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash locked on. Indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now, diving into game three. This was, again, about the complete opposite of game two. Uh, The Hurricanes, we expected the Devils to come out hot. We all kind of expected that. You're going back up to New Jersey. They gotten embarrassed in games one and two. So you knew they'd come out with some fire here. You knew that. Uh, but I don't think we really expected just how big of a step back from the Hurricanes we would see. Again, kind of expected the Devils to probably get a win here or in game four. Kind of expected that. You know, they were on the Hurricanes all season long. You know, they finished third in the NHL for a reason. They are a really good team. The Hurricanes were not going to sweep this series. That that was a given. But again, for the Hurricanes to have such a big step back in this game was absolutely wild. It was one of the worst defensive performances we have seen, if not the worst from them all season long. It was just non-existent. You know, we talk about you know, Brady Shea and Brett Pesci in games one and two of just how good they had been elevating their level from round one, where they're kind of a non-factor. They took a step back to that. They were nowhere to be found. They had a really bad game. Yeah, I would, I wouldn't call Shea and Pesci a non-factor in game three. I would call them the very, very wrong kind of factor because I mean, they, they were a factor. They were on the ice for, I think it was five, Devils goals. You saw a couple yeah. of plays, you know, some turnovers from them, at least one where Brady Shea, I mean, you know, battle behind the net and Jack Hughes just eats his lunch back there. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it was, it was rough, you know, and I was, and, and the thing about the game too, is it was like, it was kind of like some of the road games last year where the, the, the wheels just were off immediately. You know, I was all excited to watch the game. I, I had my snacks. I had, I'd gotten some of those like, frozen soft pretzels that you could Mm -hmm. cook up you know i had those all fixed up i had some uh some leftover moe's queso to dip them in i was i was settled in for the game i was all excited and then chipotle queso uh no um (laughs) never and then just boom the wheels like i said the, the wheels were just off immediately i think the hurricanes were okay for a few minutes i think martin natchez hit an early post and then once the Devils got going, they were going and they were going all night. You definitely saw Jack Hughes be much more of a factor in than he was in the first two. And I think him and his line getting kind of awakened is a worrisome thing for the Hurricanes. Now, I do think this is one of those series where the chess match between the coaches, whereas when you have home ice and last changed versus when you don't is going to be really interesting because you saw in the games in Raleigh when Rod Brindamore was able to effectively staple Jordan Stahl to Jack Hughes, and he was a complete non-factor. Mm-hmm. This game, you don't have that, and you know the results were what they were. So, yeah, def- definitely worrisome that things went as poorly as they did to that degree, but also – it only counts for one. It only has to count for one. You can't let it beat you more than once. That's kind of 
I think sometimes it's a little bit easier to just move on and say, all right, we were terrible, whatever, burn the tape in a game like that where you just get blown out, where he is like if there if it was a game that the Hurricanes lost two to one and they had forty seven shots on goal, those can sometimes stick with you a little bit more if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I agree there. And you know, you talk about, you know, Marty Natchez, you know, one thing you know, with this game was the Hurricanes also had a, some pretty bad puck luck. You know, they hit the post a lot in this game. And yeah, it felt like you know, quite often, you know, if you know that puck did especially early on, if it didn't hit the post, didn't hit the crossbar, whatever, maybe we have a bit of a different game. Uh and you know, yeah, the Hurricanes let in eight goals. Uh like you said, you know, this only counts for one game. I did see you know, uh forget who it was mentioned on Twitter, uh, you know, Devils fans, those eight goals only count for game three. It does not count for game four and all that. So the Hurricanes right. definitely just need to regroup today at the practice, watch their tape, you know, figure out what they need to do better, you know, moving forward into game four. Uh, and, you know, not all those, yeah, it was eight goals let in, but not all those were on the goalie. Uh, that third goal was definitely kind of on Frederick Anderson, uh, yeah. or was it the fourth one? I don't even remember. There are so many goals the from third, the Devils. The sh- the, were you talking about the Michael McLeod shorthanded goal? I believe so, yeah. It kind yeah, of I think that was the third one. That, that, that That's one that he's got to have. Yeah, I mean, I won't I won't say the goaltending was good because it certainly yeah, it was wasn't. Not. But um, there were more issues than just that. Yeah, they they were definitely left out to dry. It was We talk about how good they can be when they play a full complete team game. This was kind of the opposite. No one was on the same page here. And, you know, the Ajo point streak ended at five games. Talk about Shea and Pesci not being good. Uh, yes, Beard Kotiemi, another guy, uh, was one that, you know, just kind of took a step back. Uh, you already talked about Marty Natchez. Um, but, you know, looking forward into uh, game four, there were some positives here. Yeah, the penalty kill was still really good for the most part. They had three shorthanded goals, which isn't something you see very often. And it did feel that the, um, you know, the Marty shorthanded goal, you know, that was beautiful. And then uh, the one after the Steph Nason fight, when they were able to notch those uh, two shorthanded goals in pretty quick succession, it felt like those really gave the Hurricanes some life. And, you know, that they could maybe come back. They could make it a game. But then we had that Jacob Slavin interference penalty that just kind of made no sense. Uh, but, you know, going forward, or, well, before we go into game four, uh, what were some of your positives from this game? Because, you know, there was a very, there were a few. Yeah, I mean, I think the penalty kill and the way that they played shorthanded has got to be one. You know, if you can... The Devils did get a couple power play goals, but if you can mm-hmm. sow a little bit of doubt there, um, I think Sebastian Ajo's point streak actually did continue. I think he scored the first goal did he? for the Hurricanes, like right after it was three nothing, or maybe after it was four nothing. Let's pull it up real quick. See what? Oh, oh, wrong game. I clicked on the wrong one. Let's look and see where it. What was that? We can look at all the point scores for the Hurricanes from this game. Ah, yes, it was. It was the uh, yeah, pretty it was the one goal, after the Heischer goal. Yeah, pretty forgetful. Okay, but at so least you know there's there's that. You still have him yeah. going. 
Um, you still have Seth Jarvis playing mm-hmm. really, really well. Um, that's I think that I think Jarvis is a guy who. I mean, this is the case for a lot of players, but I think Jarvis is a guy who really thrives on confidence, especially as a young guy. So I think for him to keep producing, you know, and have that good mindset going into game four is a big thing for the Hurricanes. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, the biggest one, Jordan Martinuk was probably the Hurricanes' best forward in that game. I mean, he scored the beautiful shorthanded penalty shot goal. But even more than that, I mean, every time he's on the ice, he's – but you mentioned him elevating his game to more of like a pure offensive contributor that we've seen, which he needs to do. Cause I mean, he's with, with the way things are right now, he's playing in the top six. He's playing on that line with Yasperi Kokaniemi. He's out there, you know, making stuff happen every shift. And I think, you know, he's the kind of guy with the energy that he can provide and the boost that he can provide. And the, you know, this, some of the skill, the underrated skill that he has that mm-hmm. can be so valuable in a playoff series, you know, you look at play, you know, past playoff runs, like a guy like Chad LaRose, what he provided. I think you see a lot of that in Jordan Martinuk. So definitely I think him keeping up his level of play would be a big positive for the Hurricanes. Yeah, that is absolutely true. Uh, both of those guys, uh, Seth Jarvis and Jordan Martinuk, had uh, two point nights, uh, both with a goal and assist, uh, respectively. So, you know, for them to you know, be elevating their play. You know, if they can continue that momentum uh, heading into game four, that's great. And I remember, I believe it was last playoffs or the playoff before, I remember you know, them showing a shot of the bench. And he's there coaching and motivating the team on the bench. You know, he's talking to his line mates. And, you know, that's what the Hurricanes need right now. You imagine that's probably what's happening. Yeah, well, maybe not right now. But here in a little bit, whenever they are at practice, you know, he's going to be out there you know, trying to motivate the team best he can. You know, like I say, he's 100% healthy now. So that's big for him. And we're seeing just what he can do when he's healthy You because know, he's had a, you know, a couple years where he's been hurt a lot and you haven't seen a lot from him. So you know, for him to be healthy and being out there, being a big factor in this team kind of shows why, you know, the Hurricanes didn't send them down to Chicago because they could have done it at any point in the season. They put them on waivers. Well, technically they did at the very start of the season, but then they called them right back up. Yeah, but, paper transaction. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he was on the Hurricanes roster for a reason, and we're seeing it right now. But heading into game four, you got to feel there's going to be some changes after this game uh, because – like you said, it wasn't like a 2-1 loss. This was 8-4, and it was, it was pretty rough. So you do feel like there might be some changes. This is something that you know uh, Mike Maniscalco and Trip Tracy were talking about on the radio broadcast a lot you know, at the end of the game, uh, potential changes. Mackenzie McEachern, you know, slotting back in its lineup brings you know, a lot of speed and physicality. Does that... It, is that something you could see the Hurricanes potentially doing here in game four? And if they do, who's the odd man out. Yeah, I could see that. You know, he's a guy who brings a nice spark. We saw it in game four against the Islanders. I mean, obviously, Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about him going out there and having a goal and an assist like he did in that game, but just, you know, providing a little net prep presence, a little energy, speed, physicality. Um, I would probably put him in over, I think, I think, yes, he pull right now. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Jesse, 
he's had some good play. You know, you look at the stat sheet, you know, you, you know, he drives possession a little bit, but just haven't seen a ton from him. Hasn't been very productive. Um, you know, obviously we mentioned like a guy like Martin Natchez had a pretty rough game three, but especially with the dearth of scoring right now, you're not taking Martin Natchez yeah. out of the lineup. Um, the, the I guess the other option, I mean, the two main options, if you're going to put the, put him in would probably be Derek Stepan and Yessi Pugliarvi. And right now I would probably take Pugliarvi out over Stepan. Yeah, I, I agree there. He's definitely just... Again, some good plays, you know, here and there. And like you said, driving possession. But outside of that, hasn't really done a whole heck of a lot uh, yeah. for the Hurricanes. Other than providing some, you know, good meme-based material. But, you know, <laughs> that's kind of about it. You know, yeah, I'd probably keep step on in as well. Uh, but, you know, another big question is, who gets to start in net? You know, we saw Frederick Anderson. We saw Pierre Kachekov in this game. Auntie Ranta, he did come on the trip with the Hurricanes. If he's ready to go, uh, is he the guy that the Hurricanes go with? Uh, it just feels like that's going to be a very, very big question mark. I don't really think we're going to hear anything from the Hurricanes today uh, as far as who we could potentially see tomorrow. I honestly think that can maybe be a bit of a game-time decision. Like Rod's not going to tell us tomorrow. No, he that's kind of the way he rolls in the playoffs. I can remember um in I think it was the Boston Eastern Conference final in 2019, one of his pregame press conferences. I you know, I asked him, I was like, Do you have a starting goalie for tonight? Yeah, we do. I was like, Well, are you, are you gonna tell us? I'm not I'm not gonna be that guy. I'm not gonna be that guy. So um yeah, no, I, I think that there's a good chance that we will find out who the starting goalie is when they skate out for warmups tomorrow night, which has been the case um, mm. a lot of times in the playoffs for the Hurricanes, and that's fine. You know, I, I get, I think if Auntie Ranta's healthy, that could be a good way to go. Just give Frederick Anderson a little bit of a break. Because um, yep. I think, what did, what did he start? Was it four games in a row? They said he actually did not do that all regular season yeah, for the Hurricanes. Four games in a row. So if you you know if Ranta's healthy, I would give it to him. If he's not healthy though, then I think you've got more of a decision because mm-hmm. do you want to give it to Pyotr Kachetkov, who really has not seen an NHL start in a while now? Um, if if Ranta's not healthy, I would probably go back to Frederick Anderson. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a big question mark again. If Ranta is healthy, I do think he's the guy you go with here. Give Freddie some rest. Give Piotr, yep, some rest. I get, but yeah, you know, just let them regroup. Pretty much, you know, they had a rough night, both of them, and you know, just let them, you know, sit back, collect themselves, and you know, focus on the next game that either one of them might be playing. But yeah, if Ranta isn't healthy, that is a big question mark because. Freddie, yeah, that would be five starts in a row for him. Something he hasn't done, you know, and, you know, coming off of a rough game like that, how much of the mental factor will be there for him of like, oh, you know, really bad game, you know, and, you know, kind of in their own hip. Same with Kochekov as well. You know, he didn't play the whole game, but, you know, not a great night at the office for him either. So, 
that mental aspect of it, it's going to be a very, very big question. Again, not something that I think we're really going to know much on until, yeah, warm-ups. I definitely think it's whenever they put out the starting lineup, it's going to be TBD. Uh, that's fully what I'm expecting uh, for tomorrow. But we're talking a lot about what Rod Brenmore could be doing for tomorrow. Uh, but, you know, a big thing is, how can they bring the energy back from games one and two? What can Rod Brennan do? What can uh, Jordan Martinuk do? What can these guys do to bring that energy back that they had in games one and two? It's a very big question because they are up in New Jersey right now. They're not in front of their home crowd. And the home crowd definitely plays a factor in these situations. Uh, but I definitely feel like the Hurricanes, you know, to get that energy back, they just need to pull in new jersey how they did in this game soon as that puck drops just immediately 100 miles an hour just setting that tone early i feel that is really going to be key in game four of setting the tone early and not giving the devils anything like hey you you got lucky in game three we're not going to roll over you're not going to have another game like that yeah no i agree and i, I think you want to get guys out there who are going to play, you know, simple, especially to start out, you know, north-south hockey, get pucks in deep, crash the net, play physical, and, and you know, stay committed to your to your structure, your team, your team defense that they got mm -hmm. away from in game four. Because I think I think this is I mean, it's always the case in the playoffs, but I think this is another one where the first goal of the game is going to be huge. Because I think if you know, if you're the hurricanes and you get it on the road, then all of a sudden the devils are like oh, God, like, what's what's going to happen here? Like, we're going to be down three to one. And if you're, you know, the Hurricanes, all of a sudden you're looking at, oh, here we go again. You know, are they going to run away with this one again? They're going to mm -hmm. tie the series. So, you know, I, I think similar to game three, I think the early portion of the game is going to be really big to taking control. Yeah, I agree. And thankfully, you know, one thing they have already done this postseason is getting the wins on the road. They didn't do that at all last postseason. They've already got that monkey off their back this postseason like we know we can win on the road and you know that that's out of their head now like we can do it we've already done it we literally won the first round series on the road so that's going to be something that you know they can not have to worry about but yeah setting the tone early is going to be really big here keeping it simple don't try to do too much don't try to be fancy uh you know don't make extra passes that you don't have to make you know if you get that chance take it that's going to be big here and yeah it's definitely going to be having that momentum early that's going to be really important here but again we've talked a lot about rod brendamore here plans for game four now today's a big day for hurricanes fans and rod brendamore because today is also the five-year anniversary of rod brendamore being named coach and we will give our thoughts on you know how that tenure has gone so far right after this quick break folks now folks if you're looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and calories then you need the best protein bar ever that is built bar you gotta try it folks yeah long time listeners you know all about built bar and built bars are absolutely delicious and it's getting warm out you're going on a hike or whatever built bar is a great snack to take with you because not only do they taste amazing they are good for you and New folks, you got to be asking yourself what makes Built Bars so good. Well, they are covered in 100% real dark chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, cookies and cream, and my personal favorite, peanut butter brownie. 
And Built Bars, again, are extremely healthy with only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein. You can go on their website, Built.com, find a flavor for everyone. And if you don't want to wait, you can go to your local Walmart and Sam's Club right now to get you some. You can head over to Walmart, pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream and double chocolate or coconut puff. I would personally go with the double chocolate there. That's a really good one. And if you're close to Sam's Club, you can run in and grab a 13-bar box with brownie batter puff and churro puff. That's absolutely amazing flavors, though. If you got a Sam's Club membership, go get that one. And, of course, if none of those interest you, you can go over to Built.com where they have a bunch of flavors something for everyone so go get your built bars today now diving back into rod Brendamore. five years ago today he was officially named the carolina hurricanes head coach replacing bill peters you know after the hurricanes got bought by tom dundon don waddell's you know put in uh replacing uh ron francis as gm and this was at the time I was kind of saying, I feel like Rod Brenmore, you should name him the head coach. I was saying that five years ago, and it has paid off in spades. He's a player's coach. The players want to play for him. He knows how to connect with these guys. He knows what it takes to win. He's been on three Stanley Cup final teams, won one of them, and he knows what it takes to win, and he knows how to connect with these players, and that is absolutely one of the biggest things, you know, for him as a head coach, in my opinion, that has made him successful. He knows he knows what he's talking about. And the players know that he knows what he's talking about. He's not, you know, a guy, you know, that just, you know, kind of studied the analytics and whatnot, you know, made his way up to head coach. Like, no, he everything he's telling you to do, he's done it. He knows what he's talking about. And that's really big for the Hurricanes. And, you know, from day one of his head coaching tenure, yeah. Didn't get off to a great start. We all remember that. But they got it going, and it has gone, honestly, better than anyone could have expected. Definitely better than I could have expected. I, I was kind of the opposite at the time. I was kind of like, I didn't like it when the, when they announced really? the move. I was kind of, you know, I was like, yeah, you know, this guy has no experience as a head coach at any level. They just, mm-hmm. you just fired Ron Francis, you know, the other, do you really want to elevate another franchise legend into a position where maybe that's going to be something you have to do one day? But mm-hmm. I, I was proven very, very wrong. I mean, for everything you just said, you know, everything that made him great as a player has made him great as a head coach, as a leader, being able to connect with these guys, knowing the right buttons to push. You know, we've really... You know, he's got another challenge ahead of him in game four, but like with the injuries that they've faced on these playoffs, I think we've really seen that from him in terms of making the right adjustments to, to kind of maximize what he can get from a shorthanded group. And, you know, I think the whole no experience thing, I think actually ends up being a positive because a lot of times you're seeing guys get these jobs that like they've already been fired from – one or more jobs as an NHL head coach. And it's like, well, why not give somebody new mm-hmm. an opportunity? And I think the Hurricanes and Tom Dundon, especially, who's, you know, noted as kind of not being your quote-unquote hockey guy, um, mm-hmm. you know, operating with that mindset has worked out really well. You know, Bryn, 
one of Rod Brendamore's first things he said, you know, was that he wanted to make this team relevant again. And he's done that. I mean, they're a consistent playoff team. They're a consistent contender. You know, they're mentioned among the top teams in the league consistently. You look at the things that they've been able to have because of that, like the stadium series game. And I said this to somebody at some point this season, but if you look at, look at like this millennium, like the two thousand years that start with the two with what Rod Brendamore's done as a hurricane now as a coach and what he did as a player, as a captain winning the Stanley cup, you could make the argument that very few, if any singular people, have made as big an impact on one franchise than Rod Brendamore has made with the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, hundred and ten percent agree there. Uh, if someone's getting a statue out front of PNC Arena, it's him, and, and he would hate that so much too. Oh yeah, I know. He's like everyone wants it. He's probably the reason it hasn't happened. Like he would not want that. Uh, but you know you look back to that trade in the early two thousands with Philly, like everything that has happened since then, you know, got, got the team to two Stanley cup finals, you know, as a player, one captain, the winning one, you know, when back to back Selkie trophies and just everything he did as a player. And then he moves into the front office and then now he's the head coach. Like he's been a hurricane for, over 20 years you know he's been here for almost everything that has happened in raleigh and it's honestly you take all of that into consideration player coach everything it, it's a trade that is still paying off to this day over 20 years later and it's uh, it definitely uh, comes to mind of just taking everything into consideration it's got to be one of the best trades that the Hurricanes have ever made uh, and yeah. maybe one of the best in NHL history with just how much it has paid off through everything. Like you you think of the Carolina Hurricanes, you think of Rod Brendamore and everything he has done as head coach. He's already holding records. You know, I, I feel like you know, a lot of folks have probably are already making the argument for him you know, as the best coach in franchise history and yeah, I think you know, the one thing that he needs to really cement that now is to win a Stanley Cup as a head coach. He does that. Yeah. There's no argument. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I think, you know, anybody who wants to give it to Peter LaViolette right now because he won that head, who was, you know, Rod Brendamore's head coach, because mm-hmm. he won that Stanley Cup, it's tough to argue. But, yeah, what if, if Rod gets it, then, then there's just there's no discussion or debate anymore. Yeah, there's no debate. You know, he's already you know, well, a lot of people feel the best player in franchise history. And you know, he can you know, put that feather in his cap, you know, as a head coach. There's nothing, you know, he turned this franchise around, made them relevant again, made them a consistent winner. Uh and has, you know, won the Jack Adams, coached back to back all star teams, and he has really defied all expectations that folks you know, had for him coming in as head coach and maybe one of the best moves that you know the front office has ever made uh, as far as you know coaching and anything like that and 
it's something that I think you know, the Hurricanes will continue to – they're not going to want to move away from him as head coach. They're going to want to continue to have him here and not let any other team get a hold of him as a head coach because look at what he did for us. You you want him to do that for someone else? No, definitely not. Yeah, I think he's, he's here to stay. Yeah, he's here to stay. He is Carolina Hurricanes through and through. Uh, and, you know, I'm very much looking forward to the next five years. Hopefully, you know, we can not have any debate on whether it's, you know, him, uh, you know, Peter LaViolette, you know, the few folks that may still say Paul Maurice and, you know, all that. Hopefully, you know, before too long, he'll undoubtedly be the greatest head coach in franchise history. And, I feel yeah, he does that, wins a Stanley Cup as a head coach and a player here. I don't think anyone else could take his title of greatest Carolina Hurricane. No, I agree for sure. But, you know, we got game four tomorrow, uh, and that's going to be really, really fun. And we'll come to you guys with previewing that game tomorrow. And hopefully it's a lot more positive than this one. Hopefully we got a game plan for the Hurricanes and what they can do just to come away with the win. And we will also give our thoughts on the other playoff series going on right now. That's something we haven't done yet, this playoffs. And we will do all that tomorrow. Make sure you are following myself on Twitter at Jared Ellis underscore 96 and following the show on Twitter at LO underscore Hurricanes. And Andrew, where can the folks find you? You can find me at A-S-C-H-N-I-T-T-5-3. Uh, shout out Jeff Skinner. That's the tribute when I back when I made that Twitter account in high school. So, uh, yeah, you can find all my thoughts there. Yep. And don't forget to also subscribe to the show on YouTube, folks. And we will talk to you tomorrow. And as always, let's go Canes.